Welcome to the Airman Helping Airmen podcast. I'm your host, Khalid Wright, CEO, Air Force Aid Society. Join me as we chat with extraordinary guests, share stories, and learn how amazing people are making a difference in the lives of so many Air Force and Space Force families. All right. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Airman Helping Airmen podcast. I am Khalid, your CEO of Air Force A Society. And as always, I have a very special guest with me here today. And I want to take a minute. This will be a little bit long, but I need to take a second because our guest is a very, very inspirational person. So I want to give you just a little bit of her background and what, what she's up to today. So our guest today is Ginger Miller. Now, Ginger is a formerly homeless Navy veteran turned White House champion of change for women veterans. She is on the board of governors, presidential appointee, I might add, for the USO. I think all of our listeners are familiar with the USO. She's an honorary commander for the 316th Operations Group at Joint Base Andrews. She is the founder and CEO of John 14-2, the Veterans Housing and Support Services Group. This is a certified service-disabled veteran-owned small business and nonprofit dedicated to providing housing and supportive services to homeless and at-risk veterans in the Washington, D.C. metro area. She's also the founder, president, and CEO of Women Veterans Interactive. This is a division of John 14-2, another nonprofit that brings fresh, new, interactive approach to support women veterans. WVI's mission is to assist women veterans at their points of need. Now, she previously served in the Navy as a boatswain's mate third class, and that was during the first Gulf War. She did four years. She was honorably discharged, and we'll talk a little bit more about her time in the Navy and how her discharge affected her. After caring for her husband, who is also a disabled veteran who suffered from PTSD over a decade, and experiencing homelessness with her family, Ginger vowed to be victorious and work three jobs, not one, not two, three jobs, and went to school full-time to pull her family out of homelessness. I quote, I wish I had known back then that the VA had programs for homeless veterans. I could have been eligible for a HUD voucher to move into my own apartment. That's why I go all around the country telling my story to female veterans who don't have a strong support system. I don't want them to suffer because they don't know, end quote. Ladies and gentlemen, Ginger Miller. Ginger, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Khalid. It's truly an honor to be here on your show with you. It's an honor to be in your presence. You did that whole shebang with me, but you know you are amazing in your own right. So it's really an honor for me to be here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. I wonder if you recognize your greatness if you recognize how inspirational you are to not just women veterans because of the path that you've come and more importantly, the work that you're doing now, but to so many of us uh, veterans and people who've never served the light, do you recognize your greatness? You know what? I do. I do recognize my greatness, but I also recognize that I'm only great because of the mission that I'm on. You know, I've always known that I was like a great person, but when people read my bio, when people ask me to do certain things, people ask me to speak, when people, who you see before you, I'm only here because of what I've been through. 
Yeah, yeah. So am I a great person? Do I recognize my greatness? Absolutely. And I'm a little bit shy about that because I ever want to take advantage of who I am. Yeah. You can be shy, but we won't be shy. So I'm going to talk you up. Well, you know, when I say shy, it's like, I know I'm great, but I'm not going to take advantage of that because when you do that, then you falter on the mission. Right, right. And I guess what I mean in layman's terms, I will probably never, ever get the big head because I'm great. Like, so I do <laughs> greatness and I appreciate my greatness, but I know that I'm great for a purpose. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> now, you say part of what makes you great is because of where you came from. Let's talk about, let's go back to your time in the Navy. Tell us what happened, why you got out of the Navy, mm-hmm. and then we'll transition into you being a homeless veteran. And I'm really interested in more of the story of how you pulled yourself and your family out of that situation. But let's start with your time in the Navy and and kind of what happened there. Okay, so I went to the Navy specifically to get the GI Bill because my parents are immigrants from Honduras and like in the 80s and the 90s, they didn't really know a lot about financial aid that I would probably have qualified for. I don't come from a military town or military family, but I knew that if I went into the military, I would have the opportunity to further my education because I wanted to be an accountant on Wall Street. So I went into the Navy to get the GI Bill just so I could get that bachelor's degree, which I did get years after the fact. But oddly enough, you said I was a bosun's mate. I got four years of shore duty right out the Navy, which is back then it was kind of unheard of. Like everybody's getting shipped off to these ships and going overseas. And I'm from New York and I got this thing. And I'm like, Annapolis, Maryland. Like, first of all, I've never heard of Maryland. I'm 18 years old, so don't hold, hold it against me. Never heard of Annapolis. And I'm like, well, what's going to happen in Annapolis? Like, they, is it water there? So nevertheless, that's where I met my husband in Annapolis, Maryland. And then he dated, he was a Marine at the Marine Corps Barracks Annapolis. And we dated for six months and then we got married, right? And now we're talking 32 years later, we're still together, which to me is a blessing. There's another part of me being great. But we got shipped off to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And there I was attached to the Navy boat crew. At the time, they didn't know what to do with folks that was in the Navy. I wasn't eligible to go to the Navy hospital because I wasn't a poor man. But then I got into a couple of boat accidents because I used to drive these boats. Again, 18, 19, 20 years old, driving these boats with these Marines on board. I'm just like, nevertheless, I ran aground a couple of times and I got into a car accident where I had fractured my back. I couldn't walk for like seven days. I was in the hospital for 21 days. And it was from that accident to the boat accidents that led me to get a medical discharge out the Navy. And my husband had got out the Marine Corps maybe like a year prior to that. And I said, okay, I'll be the one to stay in. You know, I love it. I'll do the 20 years. That was my goal. I was taking classes at a local university, but then I got the medical discharge and I was pregnant and we went back to New York to stay with my family. I'm just going to roll right into the homelessness piece. Went back to New York to stay with my family. And probably like a year or two after I had my son, my husband's post-traumatic stress disorder kicked into high gear. He was waiting for a job, a federal job in a prison somewhere in Pennsylvania that didn't come through. And he was going to like these different groups and trying to get help for the PTSD. But when you think about the early 90s, and you think mm-hmm. of somebody that served in the Marine Corps and he's in his 20s, what was he, 24, 25, 26, something like that. There was no real help yeah. for the younger veterans back then because we were still focusing on the Vietnam era veterans. So his post-traumatic stress disorder went just completely left. And my family said, okay, you have to take your crazy husband and find some place to go, for lack of better words. It's kind of like, well, you don't come from military town. You don't come, nobody understood PTSD back then. You were still calling it shell shock. And that's how we ended up becoming homeless. So mm-hmm. you husband, you find some place to go and your son is two or three years old. 
we're both unskilled. I was a boatswain's mate. He was 0311. He's 0311. In the Marine Corps, rifleman or whatever they call it. And we were homeless. Mm -hmm. I was taking care of him, taking care of our son. And it's just like, what do you do? Like you serve your country, you have this great sense of pride and it starts to diminish. Yeah. So tell me about, so you were a caregiver for your husband who was suffering from PTSD and you guys were homeless. Tell us about that time in your life. What were you thinking? What was your day-to-day like? I mean, we hear about veteran homelessness, of course, being here in the Washington, D.C. metro area, Mm -hmm. we see a lot of homelessness. But what was it like? Okay, so it's one of those things where you, number one, you can't believe it's happening, right? Because I served my country, you come home on leave, everybody's like, oh my God, you're in the military, you're going back, you have this sense of pride, right? And now this time you're back, you know you're not going back, right? You have to survive. And it's like the one thing that I wanted to hold on to was my mental state. Mm -hmm. Because I knew if my mental state would go, then everything else would go with it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a series of events that happens. This didn't happen overnight. And no, you're not prepared for it when you happen. We were very young. And it's like, okay, so you got a couple of dollars. You go to a hotel, right? Then when those dollars run out, okay, so we'll sleep in the car. Oh, let's go by a friend. Like it, nothing made sense to me, right? And the only thing I wanted to do was to survive at that point in my life, because you don't really get angry. You don't get angry. You don't really get sad. Like, I don't think and this is probably why every time I talk about it, like if I talk, I, I, I cry so much because it's one of those things where you just had to do it. Yeah. yeah. Either you want to do it or you don't do it. And if you don't do it, then you're done. What well, yeah. was the type of thing? So I worked three jobs with the school full time. Had my still had that GI Bill. I was still that same person with that same fire and desire to make something of myself. But now you find yourself in a situation where you don't have a place to lay your head every night. You don't know where your next meal is going to come from. And one of the things I tell people all the time, when you're homeless, it's expensive to be homeless. Mm. Tell me more. It's expensive to be homeless because you're eating out, got to pay for hotels, right? You're on the go. You're buying stuff. You're doing all these different things. It's very expensive to be homeless. Nothing is stable, right? You're not trying to go to the worst place in town to lay your head. So you want a place decent. And then you have to remember who you are. So- I always knew I was somebody, but I was somebody who married somebody who had some issues, right? And I said to myself, okay, this is not the man that I married, but I know he's changed because of the things that he had been through. So people had said to me, if you leave him, you can get all the benefits. Like you can go to social service, you can be a single parent. But if I leave him, what's going to happen to him? Yeah. You don't leave somebody that you married because they have PTSD, at least. I believe in marriage. I believe in love. I know these things will not be a permanent fixture, right? But I said to myself, you've got to do something, Ginger Miller. So I worked at a gas station at night. I worked at a bank during the day, during peak hours, like maybe four hours a day, but you made the most money. I remember that. I think it was like, oh, if you work regular hours, it's eight. If you work peak at the drive, it was like $10.50 an hour. (laughs) And then I did work study at the school that I was going to. I always kept it moving. And I think that, I don't think I've ever, and this is the first time I'm expressing this, I don't think I've ever come out of that mentality. I can see. So you're still a hustler. <laughs> hustler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't mean in the... <laughs> no, but you do have. Yeah. It's like, you've got to keep going. You got to keep moving, yeah. You got to keep going, because if you stop, 
lifestyles. Yeah. So you clearly were able to pull yourself and your family out of that situation. First, let me ask, with all the work that you're doing today in this area, give us some sense of how big of a problem is veteran homelessness in the United States today? It's a very big problem. Mm -hmm. Is it getting better to a certain extent, right? Because what you have to do is you have to burn the candles on both ends. Mm -hmm. You have to pull those veterans out of homelessness. and You have to prevent veterans from being homeless at the same time. So this country, through all the initiatives that came down through the Obama administration with Secretary Shinseki, you have the mayor's initiatives against homelessness, but you're only looking for the homeless people. Mm. You're not paying attention to the people who are at risk and the veterans who are at risk. And what does that look like? Yeah. See what I'm saying? You know, you don't become homeless overnight. You become unstable mm-hmm. and then you become homeless. But what's happening to the veterans when they are unstable, they're not reaching out for help. And that's what we have mastered at the Women Veterans Interactive Now. It's the Women Veterans Interactive Foundation because women veterans feel comfortable coming to the organization saying, Ms. Ginger, I need help. WVI, I need help. You know, when I'm out there, we're going city to city and we're doing all these things and we're on social media. It gives them a sense of comfort knowing that I can reach out to this organization and I'm not going to be judged. Because it goes back to my story of having that sense of pride, right? And even if I would have known where to reach out for help, was I strong enough to reach out for help? That's part of the problem. When you start to become unstable, when you start to see these issues arising and these red flags, you got to reach out for help then before it's too late. Because it goes back to my point. It's very expensive to be homeless. It's expensive to pull somebody out of homelessness. But if you can stop the eviction. So for those veterans, male or female, but specifically since you kind of specialize in, in working with female veterans that might be on the verge right now, that might be in that situation where things are becoming unstable and crumbling. What advice would you have for them on what what's the next best step they should take to, one, make sure they don't find themselves homeless? And if they do, what should they do? Number one, if you find yourself in that position right now, stop. Take a deep breath and embrace your reality. Because mm. You can't fix what you don't embrace. You understand? You can't say, I want to do X, Y, and Z if you're not really embracing that. So you have to say to yourself, I'm in trouble, but I can also get out of it. Tell yourself right now, you can get out of it. And it's how you get out of it that's going to make the difference. And the only how to get out of it is to embrace it and raise your hand for help. Go to an organization that have any type of services that you may be needing. One of the things we do at WVI, we have Operation Safety Net. We could pay first month rent security deposit. We do gas cards, gift cards for groceries. We can stop evictions. We help with utility shops. We can get clothes for your kids. Like we do it all through Operation Safety Net. But you know, Mm -hmm. whatever is happening in your life right now, you know, there's a fix for that. And I'll say this to that person, to these women, you're not the only ones who have been there and done that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a problem that a lot of folks have when they run into trouble. It's like you feel embarrassed. You feel ashamed. Yeah. So who's eligible? How do you become eligible for WVI support? Well, you know, all you have to do is go to our website or send an email to info at womenveteransinteractive.org. Tell us about your situation. The only requirement is that you're a woman veteran and, you know, we need to verify your service. Mm-hmm. We like to make sure that you're in a good financial position. So if we help you, we want to make sure that you can continue. So it may not be just an easy fix to stop that eviction or to do the first one rent and security deposit. But we want to make sure that you are together 
as a person. So we also want to make sure that you are connected to the Department of Veterans Affairs. We ask the question, are you a disabled veteran? Would you like to file a claim? Are you registered with the VA? Because one of the things I know, we've partnered with the VA now for over, what is it, 13 years, 14 years, something like that. But we take the VA everywhere we go because the VA is a very important part of a woman veteran's ecosystem. And I can give you an example. There was a woman veteran who she had like four mild strokes before the age of 40, and she was going to be evicted out of her apartment. And one agency told her, okay, well, if you pack up all your stuff into storage and become homeless, like street homeless, then we can help. And why do you need an apartment for $1,800 a month anyway? Uh, Because she always worked for a living. She got safe. So we didn't have the money in Operation Safety Net at that moment in time. But what I had was letterhead for my organization, and I had the relationship with the VA. So I wrote a letter to the leasing office and said, listen, we're working with her, give her a little bit more time, right? And we're going to help her out. So we gave her money for food that she needed and some stuff that she needed for her son for school. And then I went over to the VA and I said, listen, we have a woman veteran who's on the verge of being homeless. She has a claim in. Can we expedite that claim? Okay, Gigi, you know, we, you got, this is your one of two for the year. Nevertheless, inside joke. <laughs> and yeah. they expedited her claim. She got 100% and we stopped that eviction. Yeah, and they wow. the funds. So you see what I'm saying? So there is no wrong door at WVI and, and one shoe does not fit all. There was another woman. One of the things we also do, and I mentioned this at WVI, we have an annual claims clinic. This year, hopefully we'll be back in person where the VA partners with us every year, the Baltimore Regional Office, kudos to them for always supporting us with this. But this will be our seventh year or eighth year, seventh year with the claims clinic. The first year that we did it, there was a woman veteran who came with her two small children. She was being evicted. She had this letter, had never filed a claim with the VA. She came and they got the Raiders on site at the conference, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. She came and, right. It's a big deal. So you said, great. Like, yeah, she came. They raided her 100% on the spot, right? Gave her vote rehab, added her two children to her claim, and then they expedited her payment to stop that eviction. Mm, mm, mm. So you want to talk about doing great stuff. There's more than one way to attack homelessness. Yeah. And I think the best way to do it, number one, is to prevent it. Why people say, oh, it's cheaper to keep it. It's cheaper to prevent it. Is <laughs> pull them out of homelessness. So, yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about WVI. I mean, is it uh, do you have a network of volunteers? How many people are in the organization and how can if any of our listeners want to volunteer to help out? either through donations or time, how can we better serve you? Okay, so, you know, WVI is a very unique organization. It started out as a division of John 14.2 Inc. And then it went to its own nonprofit organization because the need was there. The women veterans, they would come to the events and then they would say, well, Ms. Ginger, how can I join? And I'm like, join what? Like, we don't have membership. We ended up doing a membership. Now we have members. Um, it's a paid membership. We also have a free membership. We have members right now in about 28 states. We have three chapters, one located in Fayetteville, North Carolina, Capital Collaborative, which is the DMV area, and Richmond, Virginia. But then we're also targeting other states and cities to include Atlanta, San Antonio, Tampa, Florida, Detroit, Michigan, Chicago, because there's a huge need in the women veterans community to give back. Mm-hmm. One of the things we do with our members, in order for you to be a chapter, you have to volunteer. 25 hours as a team, and then you also have to raise $5,000 as a team because our chapters serve as many social service arms of national. 
So they have their Operation Safety Net where they help the women veterans in their local community, which is fantastic. So that is the membership. But then we have an annual conference that I talked about that's coming up in November, the Women Veterans Leadership and Diversity Conference. We have a pink and white empowerment tour. And I'll tell you how that started. It started in 2016 when we had got our brand new logo for the Women Veterans Interactive, Inc. And I had the members to meet me in Arlington, Virginia for brunch to give out their membership package. And I said, okay, anybody coming? We have pink and white because our logo is hence all the pink. Nevertheless, through the power of social media, women veterans started reaching out to me saying, oh, Ms. Ginger, when are you coming to my city? And I'm like, coming to your city to do what? Oh, that pink and white brunch. I'm like, that's not a thing. Well, I'm here to tell you. That thing turned into a thing that year. We did five cities in five months, supported over 300 women veterans. And now fast forward to 2022, J.P. Morgan Chase is a premier sponsor by Pink and White Empowerment Tour. We just had one last uh, three weeks ago in Arlington, Virginia. Then we're going to San Antonio, Texas. We have some new dates because, you know, unfortunately I did have COVID, so I had to push some things back. We're going to San Antonio, Texas in September, and then Atlanta, Georgia in October, and also Fayetteville, North Carolina in October. But it gives women veterans an opportunity to come out and get empowered in these places where they live, work, and play. But they also hear from J.P. Morgan Chase, small business, entrepreneurship, home ownership. They hear from the Department of Labor, from the VA. So they're like mini summits. And then we also have the Women Veterans Transition Space. We assist women veterans with transitioning out the military. J.P. Morgan Chase, I keep blowing them up. They're another sponsor of that program. Next month, we have 50 women veterans in our first cohort. It's a four-month virtual program that we take them through. It gives you an opportunity to explore what it's going to be like to be a civilian before you become a civilian. Because the military does a great job of turning us into Navy personnel and airmen and, and soldiers, but they don't do a great job with changing your mindset back into that civilian realm. So we're here to do that through this Beyond the Transition program, and the women will be exposed to different tracks to include federal, corporate, nonprofit, entrepreneurship, Department of Veterans Affairs, file your claims, do all this great stuff. And then at the end, we have a two-day in-person part of the program in Washington, D.C., where you get to meet with employers, and they also get a one-year a mentor for one year. And right now, Bank of America is leading the charge with the mentorship which is fantastic. I'm trying to think what other, we do so much at Women Veterans Interactive and it all makes sense because our programs have grown organically. So we always listen to what the women veterans want and then we give them some of what they want and what they need. Yeah. So how did, how did you turn, how did you go from being a homeless veteran, pulling yourself out to all the way to becoming an entrepreneur and starting not one, but two different nonprofit organizations, foundations. Okay, so, well, you know, John 14.2 Inc. was the first nonprofit that I started. And that one focused on all veterans who are homeless, right? And then in 2012, I started seeing and hearing all this talk about the needs of women veterans and how the VA was having a hard time reaching women veterans. And I was a commissioner on the Maryland Commission for Women. And I said, okay, I'm going to do just like a breakfast series for women veterans, not really knowing what the needs were. And because I was always focused on supporting my husband as a veteran, now I always knew I was a veteran, but I never addressed my own needs. So it kind of blew up in my face, right? And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, so Ginger Mill, what you gonna do about it? 
Like you see all these women. I had one event, Empowerment Unification Brunch Cruise, and 30 days, 200 women veterans registered. So what you going to do? Are you going to ignore the needs of women veterans? So to do that would be like to ignore myself. And I would consider myself being an entrepreneur. Did I think it would ever go this far? No. And the only reason I've gone this far, to be totally honest with you, is because of the need. The need, yeah. Because, you know, people say, Ginger, you're so great. Oh, Ginger, you're killing the game. I have to. These folks, they leave you no other choice. Like, no open doors to me. I have to knock, knock again. If the knob is hot, I'll get a little piece of tissue, put it on the knob, but I'm coming through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure all of the women and all of the veterans really, really appreciate everything that that you've done and the things that you continue oh, yeah. to do. And so of what I'm interested in, you've made just such a huge difference in this space with women veterans, with homeless veterans, with homeless women <laughs> veterans. What are you most proud of when you sit back and you think of all the things that you've been through and all the things that you're accomplishing on a daily basis? What are you most proud of? Hmm. I'm most proud of my stay in power mm. because I had a dear colleague of mine tell me about three months ago, like now that I know what it's like for you on a day-to-day basis, I don't even understand why you're still in this industry. Like she said, I would have been gone because number one, I'm a black woman in a white male dominated industry. Mm-hmm. As women, veterans, we are part of the women's movement. If you look at everything that's going on now with the Supreme Court and all that great stuff, it's hard out here for a woman. When you look at the veteran community, you don't see a lot of Black women leading the charge. Mm-hmm. So when people say you're great, I have no other choice. I was thinking today, oh, I'm just going to put on a baseball hat. and I'm like, no, Ginger Miller, you <laughs> leading the charge. Like, so you don't get those type of luxuries. Either you want you want to show up, you know, with your, your signature pearls. Or like, so this is a whole thing. And I looked through a lot of your videos to see how other guests was what. Like, okay, this is just that, but I'm like, not for you, Ginger Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're representing now the Women Veterans Interactive Foundation, right? Mm-hmm. We just launched a Power of 1000, right? Because I've been in this industry way too long. We don't have a full staff. We've never cracked a million dollars, but why not? So when you talk about the need is there, right? And so when you talk about what am I most proud of, it's to stay in power. But back to the Power of 1000, we're getting 1000 women, empowered women, you don't have to be a woman veteran to donate $1,000 to raise our first million. And it's going. Like somebody hit me on LinkedIn today and said, you know, I got my CEO. She's a woman. The CEO, I think, is a man. But he donated $1,000. So, I mean, it's going to work. So I have no other choice but to be great. You know why? Because I have my ear to the ground. I'm boots around the women veterans community. I hear the need. And we're not talking about just homeless women veterans. We're talking about women who have served for 22, 23, 25 years, and they get out the military and they feel like they're in a weird space and they want to commit suicide. Wow. Do you see what I'm saying? So yeah. it's just not, it goes back to what I said with how do you become homeless? So if you're in that weird space, now you're at risk of becoming homeless. Homelessness is always the worst part of that transition chain, but it's here and we can't ignore it. Yeah. So my staying power is what I'm most proud of because the women, they love me, right? And they love WBI and they see us as a symbol of hope. And I said, you know what? I'm not turning my back on them. If I turn my back on them, I'm turning my back on me. I didn't have a WBI, you understand? And I know that everybody can't be a ginger miller. I know I'm rare. That I do know. (laughs) That you are, yes. (laughs) I'm rare, okay? Because 
I have to get up every day, show up great and fight. Mm-hmm. Fight for funding, fight for support to keep these women alive. And I always say, if the country that we serve if, if, if don't think enough of us, that's the issue. Yeah, I think it goes back to they only think of homelessness. You got to think preventive. We're saving lives. I could show you thousands of emails for people to say, just for you coming out, Ms. Ginger. Oh my, Ms. Ginger, you remember my name? Like, I have these special skills, with these little blessings, these little gifts, whatever you want to call them. Certain things I do remember. Yeah. And when it comes to my prayer, God answers all of my prayers as long as it's for women veterans. If I'm like, that Benz, the clock is ticking, ain't, ain't up yet. But I say, you know, WVI needs a Benz truck so we can deliver turkeys. It may show up. Yeah. But that's my connection to the women. This is real for me. I'm starting to get the respect in the industry now after beating the ground for two. Because I'm not going nowhere. We still here. We, as long as women are serving, and as long as women are transitioning, and as long as women have served, we're going to be here. Yeah. So when is your first book coming out, Ginger? See? <laughs> <laughs> so let me tell you this. You just, I see you keep looking at me. I knew it was up to something. So let me just say this. I wanted to do one more thing. Mm-hmm. The champion of change and the Obama administration was great, but my goal is to be a New York Times bestseller. Mm, okay. When I say, when I come out, I got to be great. I want to be great. Yeah. Like I want to go boom. Like I want it because I, I'm very careful with telling my story to the media. I don't take every interview because I know when I talk, people listen, but not only that, I don't allow people to take advantage of who I am at WBI because if I'm giving you the interview, whatever the news station is, how is that going to benefit WBI? Yeah. But when it's Veterans Day, you guys can call me, but when I'm trying to get something out there, I, so I'm very careful with that. And it's because I did want to write this book, right? Mm-hmm. I kept saying, God, there's one more thing that I need to do. And every year I get a little something like the honorary commander. And I'm like, oh my God, this is great. But I knew in my soul, it wasn't it. So last year I got an email. So I got a double blessing last year. And I, so now I know it's time. I'm actually going to reach out to somebody today and see if they helped me write this book. I got selected to be a part of the President Obama or History Party. So mm-hmm. they, they, I don't know if it was 2000. I can't remember the, the number, but I'm in that number. So I had like this whole interview with Columbia University and like my story is going to be housed at the Obama Foundation's library, like history, mm-hmm. right? Then after that, the same year, a couple of months afterwards, I got appointed to the Board of Governors of the USL. So now I'm a presidential appointee. And I'm like, okay, Ginger Miller, you have served on every level of government, county, state, federal. Like, there's nothing left for you to do now. Like, this is it. Like, my wall behind me. I- you just got to write it down. You just need to write it down so we can continue inspiring people like me for years and years to come. Write it down, Ginger. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then, yeah, I, you know what? My goal is two things. Like, I'm going to get take that walk with Oprah on Super Soul Sunday. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I want to ring the bell on the New York Stock Exchange because my goal was to work on Wall Street, right? But I got, I'm not going to say sidetracked. I took a different journey mm-hmm. to support the veterans. But deep down inside, that same little girl that got the GI Bill, like, she's still in there. Mm-hmm. Those two things, Oprah and that New York Stock Exchange and my book, then I can relax. Then I'll show up with a baseball cap. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, Ginger, I just want to say on behalf of all of our listeners, all of the veterans and especially all of the women veterans, thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your staying power. Oh, yeah. Thank you for your enthusiasm. 
thank you for standing watch for all of us and for being such an inspiration. I mean, I, I have so many female veteran friends and colleagues and, and, you know, folks that I'm close to that I'm going to be turning on to you and making sure that they understand and know about WVI and all the great things that you're doing. So again, it's been a pleasure having you today. And I want to give the last words to you if there's anything you want to pass along to our audience. Folks always say, I'm just grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be alive during this time to make a difference. Mm -hmm. I just honestly believe that we have the power to do whatever we want to do in life, but it's on us to do it. Mm. There'll be obstacles. There's going to be challenges. They exist for a reason. But everyone you bust through, everyone you jump over, it only makes you stronger. It may sound cliche. I'll go toe to toe with anybody (laughs) at this point for a great cause. And I've always wondered why the, the term shrewd businesswoman, you have to be shrewd in business. You have to be about your business. Mm-hmm. If you're an entrepreneur or you're working for a, a corporation or a foundation, stay true to who you are. Yeah. Well, it's clear you're true to, you know, who you are and you are about your business. I mean, again, just look at all <laughs> the, the things that you've been doing. I love the idea that you said, hey, what well, I'm the reason that I'm doing this is because there's a need. And if not me, then who? If not now, then when, right? And I mean, if all of us kind of took that stance in life, man, I think this world would be a much, much better place. And and so again, I just want to say thank you. I'm inspired. Thank you so much for having me, Khalif. I appreciate it. This has been awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And like I said, I'll make sure that all of our audience and all of my colleagues have access to your social media. Awesome. And make sure they understand all the great things that you're doing. So awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, I told you you would be inspired. Ginger Miller, Honorary Commander, Founder and CEO of John 14.2 Inc., WVI, future author. She's done it all. So again, Ginger, thank you. We appreciate it. And we will see you all on the next episode of Airmen Helping Airmen. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Airmen Helping Airmen. Brought to you by the Air Force Aid Society. To find out more about how we make a difference, visit AFAS.org. And then be sure to search for Airmen Helping in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of everyone at the Air Force Aid Society, thanks for listening and join us on social media.